This is an audio-only version of a Then and Now video. To see the full video, search Then and Now on YouTube. Enjoy. Statues are philosophical objects. They're clearly symbolic of something more than the material they're cast in. They embody phenomena that philosophers often try to understand. Publicness, memory, the nature of history, the abstract and the concrete. Across the world, from colonizer Cecil Rhodes to slaver King Leopold II and Confederate President Jefferson Davis, inanimate busts have become a battleground. To their more mainstream defenders, the argument is usually twofold. That first, these monuments are legitimate because they memorialize a past that, for good or bad, is our history. And second, that even if memorializing a particular figure was not legitimate, removing statues extrajudicially at the whims of the mob is itself unethical and furthermore has dangerous consequences for democracy. So when is iconoclasm justified? To answer this, we need to be able to answer two questions. What's a statue for? And when is civil disobedience ethically legitimate? In other words, when is it morally permittable to subvert the processes of democracy and damage or remove public property? We'll start with the first question. A statue is history. Furthermore, it's public history. That is, in democracies anyway, democratically legitimated history meant to serve a public function. History has many functions. While accuracy is amongst them, a fidelity to fact, to a fair reading of the records, etc., history's functions might be categorized into three types. To venerate, to memorialize, or to entertain. Veneration tells a story or draws from history for its positive value. Memorialization does this as a warning, while entertaining might tell a story that draws lines anywhere in between for the purposes of individual recreation, say. While any individual work of history might be a mix of all three, statues usually draw their value from the first two types of history. They either venerate or memorialize. What does it mean to do this publicly though? Many have compared the practice of history to psychology. Why do we remember? What purpose do specific memories of the past have? Our minds are flooded with information from our senses every second, yet we remember, venerate or memorialize very few of them. The historian Carol Steedman reflects on how this shapes the historian's work in the archive. She's written that, you know perfectly well that the infinite heaps of things they recorded, the notes and traces that these people left behind, constitute practically nothing at all. There is the great, brown, slow-moving, strandless river of everything, and then there is its tiny flotsam that has ended up in the record office you are at work in. We remember, or venerate, joyful things, say, while also memorialising dangerous things, for example, or unwanted things as guides to future action, and we forget almost everything else in between. In this way, history and memory are the same, History, like memory, is not the same as the past. History is as much about present concerns, current styles, contemporary framing and questioning. 
When confronting a historical period or topic, the historian is faced with a diversity of questions that contribute to the construction of a limited narrative. Which documents are important? Who is a legitimate source? What's the primary cause of an event? Should I tell personal stories or statistical ones? Should I use this phrase or that one? So public history is the summation of this process. It's a democratic discussion about memory, lessons, role models and warnings. And its purpose, whether in the curriculum, the museum or on television, is to get in your bones. Our values, norms and laws are held up by culture that's the result of our historic collective consciousness. The French philosopher Pierre Bourdieu succinctly summarised this when he wrote that in each of us, in varying proportions, there's a part of yesterday's man. It's yesterday's man who inevitably predominates in us, since the present amounts to little compared with the long past in the course of which we were formed and from which we result. Public history must then venerate and commemorate the things we value as a society. Our values will always be up for debate, disputed and vary from person to person, but in a democracy, freedom of conscience and a fundamental equality are values unlikely to be disputed by anyone but those at the extremes. If public history doesn't meet those basic requirements, we have the strongest possible case for its illegitimacy. Colston was a slave trader who became deputy director of the Royal African Company, through which he oversaw the transportation of 84,000 slaves to the Americas. 19,000 of them died en route. Many have argued, though, that he's remembered not as a slave trader, but as a philanthropist. Leaving aside for a second that that philanthropy was the result of blood money, the statue was erected in 1895, around 200 years after Colston lived. A study in the History Workshop Journal has shown that more than half the statues that have been torn down or challenged in recent weeks were erected between 1889 and 1919, a period that they describe as not only the installation of Jim Crow in the USA, but also around the world, the high noon of formal imperialism and the proclamation of race as a prime mover in human affairs. In short, they were not about memorialising, but venerating a past of white supremacy. But even if a statue was built to venerate, should they not be at least preserved to memorialise now? The argument for keeping a statue of a slaver as a memorial to slavery is as absurd as carving a sculpture of Hitler as a memorial to the Holocaust, or a bust of Joseph Fritzl as a testament to the horrors of child abuse and incest. In short, to oblige the descendants of slaves to pass a symbol of fundamental inequality, to weave that symbol into the social fabric, to venerate it as an icon and foundation of values meant to represent public consciousness is undeniably immoral. But this brings us to the second point. Even if we can agree that the statue is morally illegitimate, by what moral standards can it be pulled down extrajudicially, subverting the processes of democracy? 
Is this ever justifiable? First, crowds are often wrong. If a strong case can be made that the democratic process has in some way failed and the retaining of a statue is clearly unethical, then direct action and civil disobedience can be more legitimately justified. History has many examples of figures or movements making a moral argument that the majority demos disagreed with. The overthrow of the Nazis, the refusal of Rosa Parks to give up her seat on the bus and the suffragettes being just three of the most obvious. In A Theory of Justice, the American philosopher John Rawls argues that there are four conditions that must be met to justify civil disobedience. The third and fourth are, I think, easily met. That the principle should be applied equally and that the disobedience should be designed to be effective in achieving some goals or ends. The second principle is that there is a clear violation of justice, which we've just explored. To conclude here, I'll examine and discuss the first, that democratic processes have failed. In the case of the Colston statue, Bristolians had tried to remove the statue democratically for decades. Campaigns began in the early 90s, but in 2014, 56% of the city wanted the statue to remain. And here's the central problem. The majority of Bristolians were simply unwilling to understand the problem caused by the statue. The forerunner to the civil rights movement in America, W.E.B. Du Bois, commented on this disconnect between reason, debate and visceral pain in 1889 when Sam Hose was lynched in Georgia. Initially, Du Bois had written a rational letter to the local paper, but when he found out that Hose was burned and dismembered, he wrote, one could not be a calm, cool and detached scientist while Negroes were lynched, murdered and starved. Similarly, later, Malcolm X noted that where areas had achieved their independence, someone had gotten angry. He remarked that usually when people are sad, they don't do anything, but when they get angry, they bring about change. When they get angry, they aren't interested in logic. They aren't interested in odds. They aren't interested in consequences. Sometimes democracy and rational argument aren't enough. Sometimes civil disobedience and the public display of pain and anger must be mobilized to shake people from apathy. Let me be clear. The processes of democracy moved by informed public debate are always preferable to civil disobedience. But if a large minority feel strongly enough to be civilly disobedient, then public debate must have in some way failed. Democracy is necessarily slow. Millions of citizens coming together will inevitably take time to come to any kind of consensus. But heel-dragging by the comfortable is a complacency that often comes at the expense of the uncomfortable. Sometimes anger needs to be cathartically expressed before anyone takes notice. Hey everyone, I feel very lucky to be able to say that I'm finally at the point where I can commit full time to making these videos. Um, it's a great honour 
be able to do that. I absolutely love doing it. I'm gonna make two or three videos a month and continue to improve the quality and the research and do a few more experiments and chats and rambles in between. But it is a time-consuming job. It's a full-time job and it is just me. So unfortunately, right now, Patreon is still the only way that then and now survives. So if you get any value from these videos whatsoever, then please consider pledging a dollar or two dollars on Patreon. If you pledge five dollars or ten dollars or more even, I will add your name to the credits, I will put scripts and the audio, and at some point the videos out early for Patreons only. So if there's anything you'd like to see there, then please let me know. But if you can't afford that right now, then of course it's enough to just press like, subscribe, share, and remember to click that bell to be notified to new videos. Thanks so much for watching and I'll see you next time.